I want to ask you a question, church. What is the condition of your heart this morning? Where's your heart at? Um, this morning, I, I really am going to take some time. This message is going to get very personal. You know, the Bible doesn't just speak to our outside, you know, what we look like, what we wear, what we do. The Bible gets right down to the core of who we are, what we think about. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And when we hear the Bible, it, it is very personal. It affects us. I believe that for far too long, and I'm going to speak to myself a lot today, maybe you can identify with this, is that for far too long, we get good at acting like we're healthy on the outside. We, we act like things are okay, but we're just maintaining the right actions. We, we come to church, we say the right things, and we're just okay. The title of my message is Offended, Your Heart is Showing. We live in a world of offended people, don't we? Um, you know, we, we, hear, we hear, I saw this meme. Anybody love memes? Anybody online love memes? We get these memes and some of them are funny. But I saw this meme of this guy. He says, what are we going to be offended about today? And he's like, what's going on? We've heard this word offended. When somebody is offended, they're saying, I'm hurt. I'm angry. Uh, they, they say, I'm offended. I've been wrong. Something either you said or something that's happening, it's affecting me on the inside. Something is happening and it affects me deeply. We live in a world that is offended. The world gets offended. Today, there's some surprising things the world gets offended at. And I'm, I'm going to tell you today, I'm, I'm not going to take a position on anything if you uh, think this is going to be like one of those Facebook conversations. Some of you just maintain reading in the comments and some of you jump in. This isn't one of those things. I'm not going to take a side either way. I just want to preach what the Bible says of how we should respond to some things. But the world is offended. Um, the world is offended at the American flag. Some, some people say American flag is offensive. Some obviously are loyal to that flag. Offend, some are offended at the Confederate flag. Uh, the world is offended at things I, I never thought about growing up, but they, if you call somebody he or she, and, and maybe they're uh, of a different belief, and, they, and they, they believe that they are a certain way, and they're offended when you, set, you call them the wrong thing. Some people are offended whether you support police officers, and some are offended that you do not. And, and the world is just in this state of offense. And it's not just the world that's offended, though. Christians are offended, too. You know how I know that? Because I've read it all over your Facebooks, and I've heard you talk about it in the hallways, and I've seen some of you throughout the week. We get offended. We get angry. We get upset about things. This is perfect timing today. Mandated masks. Ooh, the air is thick. You're like, what's this guy going to say? This is great. Pastor's out of town. He's going to talk about masks. No, I'm not going to talk about masks. But we get offended. You can feel it down deep, can't you? The Cleveland Indians are changing their name, possibly. And some of you are pretty upset about that. NASCAR no longer allows a Confederate flag. Walmart is closed early, of all things. We get offended when we watch certain news on TV. We get upset and angry and 
uh, vocal when cities are being looted or burned, when statues of historical figures are torn to the ground. I'm not going to take a position on any of this, but what I want to tell you is when we talk about that word offense, being offended, what you take offense to reveals what you care about most. What you take offense to reveals what you care about most. In the Bible, in Colossians 3, the word that's used to talk about this is the word affections. It's the direction of your heart, the position of your heart. It's what it is that you are caring about. And here's what I'm getting at this morning. Christian, your affections are showing. See, what it is that you're bent out of shape about, what it is that you get excited about, declares to yourself, declares to the world, and shows to God what uh, vocal when, see, we're, I, I truly believe this, and I, I'm speaking to myself, that we are followers of Jesus that have been seriously distracted. We've gotten so close to the world and so far from Jesus that our hearts are simply in the wrong place. What we're posting on Facebook, the actions we're taking, what we're speaking up about, is putting on clear display many times our apathy toward the things of God and our relaxed version of Christianity. Our actions and our posts and our comments, they're screaming that we have such a close affinity to the things of this world. Are we wrong to get offended? Is it, is it wrong to be bent out of shape because we're mandated to wear a mask? Here's what I want us to look at instead. I'm not asking you to take an opinion on those things, but we are up in arms. Do you agree with me? People are getting offensive all over the place. Here's the problem. Are we getting offended and upset when in our personal lives we have sin? When we're hiding a personal sin? Maybe, are, are, are we, I'm going to ask you this, are you upset when you have bitterness in your heart towards someone in the church? When there's somebody in this body of believers that you won't talk to because you're upset with them? See, we get up in arms about all of these worldly cares. What about the things that matter to God? Are we upset when we have decided to uh, put all of our energy and attention into our uh, careers and our personal success that we've forgotten to pursue what God is calling us to do? Are we upset that we tolerate in our lives prayerlessness, apathy? We, we rarely pray, maybe for meals. We don't read our Bible for weeks on end. Are we upset when our God gives us a mandate to preach the gospel, a command, the Great Commission, but instead we stay silent, but we do speak about our politics? What about when your Savior gives you the greatest command. He calls it the great command to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and all of your might. To be loyal to him with your very heart, the, 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 what, everything that you have, to give it over to him. But we're more loyal to a political party. I, I'm going to be honest with myself, and, and, and this, is, uh, this is a problem that we have. I, I, I have read this passage that we're going to study in Colossians 3, and it just describes the fact that our affections are in the wrong place. Let's look together in Colossians 3. I want to read this, and then we'll talk about it. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ... 
Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. This passage is a major correction for me, and sometimes the Bible corrects you. You know, I, I have, with a number of issues, gotten so bent out of shape, and I, it seems I've lost my biblical perspective on the things of this earth. That's who we are, right? We're Bible believers. We, we're Christians. We're followers of Christ. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. This book of the Bible, Colossians, is interesting. When you start in chapter 1, building up to chapter 3, there's an emphasis in this passage. The emphasis, and there's one key word that stands out among all others that kind of binds this book of the Bible together. And it's a Bible word called preeminence. It's found in chapter 1. And it says that Jesus, in all things, should have the preeminence. And that's just a big Bible word that means first place. That out of everything that's going on, out of everything in your life, that Jesus should have the very first place. And as we get in the Bible uh, to chapter 3, and we come to chapter 3 in Colossians, it explains why or how that should work out in our life. Jesus, if, if Jesus is first, this is what it looks like in your life. Here's my first point this morning. I want to talk about this. Th- this passage of Scripture cries out to us and claims that our relationship, your relationship with Jesus changes you. There is a special bond as a Christian that you have with Jesus that you only get as a Christian. Do you understand? Listen, uh, when I talk about being Christian, I just want to make it plain for everyone that is here. We are not all Christians just because we exist, because we are born into this world. Jesus actually told some people, he said, you are of your father, the devil. And the Bible says that we become a Christian. We get this special relationship with Christ when we realize a few things. We've got to realize that we are sinners, that we have sin in our life. We do things that are wrong. We think things that are wrong. We're selfish. We want our own way. But God loved us anyway. And Jesus came to this earth. The Bible says that you have to believe Jesus died on the cross for your sin. You've got to believe that Jesus was buried, and he was buried for three days, and the Bible says he raised from the dead. And if you repent of your sin, and you believe that Jesus raised from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. That means you get this new relationship with Christ, and we're going to get into it, I want to explain it to you. The Bible says that you, your old man, that sinful person, that selfish person, that you now die with Jesus, that all of your past gets to be stuck in the past, dead in the grave with Jesus. And when Jesus raised from the dead, the Bible says you raise with him, and you get to walk in newness of life. Listen, it is an amazing thing that Jesus would die for a sinner and that he would allow you to take everything in your past, put it behind you, and walk a brand new life. You understand that? A brand new life, not a selfish life, not a self-centered life, not a sinful life, a life walking in the newness of Christ. I want you to see two things here with this relationship. You're in Christ if you know him. One, that you, are, that you died with Christ, but two, you are alive with Christ. I want, I want to show you one parallel passage. It's a, a section of the scriptures that talks about this so clearly before we move on in Colossians. It's in Romans chapter 6. If you turn there in your Bible or you can look on the screen, I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 6. I want you to see verse number 3. Romans 6. The Bible says, you raise with him. Don't you know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? 
the Bible talks about being baptized or immersed or placed into. The idea is that when you believe on Jesus, you are identified with Jesus. You have this bond now with Jesus, and you were buried with him in baptism. Verse number four says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Look in verse number six, the same passage. Knowing this, something else we need to know, that our old man, who we are before Jesus, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. These are strong words, aren't they? That henceforth, henceforth is a good Bible word. It means from now on. When you trust Jesus as Savior, from now on, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If you have a relationship with Christ, you've believed on him, the Bible says you are dead with Christ. You being in Christ, in that relationship, you're dead with him. Your, your, your sinful nature should be dead with him. Your affinity to this world should be dead with Christ. I want you to look in verse number eight. The Bible says, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Dead to sin, alive to God. You get it? Likewise, here's where it gets practical. In the same way that Jesus died and was raised again to walk in newness of life, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean to have this relationship that changes us, this alive in Christ, and being dead with him, raised to walk in newness of life? Being dead with Christ means being dead to the world. It means being dead to our sin. It means being dead to earthly pleasures. That's what we're dead to. See, the grave had no hold on Jesus, and this earth should have no hold on us. That's what it means. Jesus died. He died unto sin. He conquered sin, and it was done. It was finished. But Jesus raised again. And, and the Bible says we are dead with Christ. That means our affections should be dead to this world. We shouldn't care so much about the things going on down here. But we do. See, we've been so alive to these worldly things, alive to our flesh. And we've been, these, these truths about Scripture that we're supposed to believe and live, we've cast them to the side and said, for, forget that. I'll live for myself. I'll, I'll, I'll be up in arms about things going on in this world. This world, I'm going to be so alive to this world. It's about me. You can't tell me what to do. It's my opinion, whatever I want. See, the world holds our attention. The world holds our passion. The world holds our hearts. But it shouldn't. And my ask this morning is that you'd examine yourself and decide whether or not you need to give those passions and those pursuits back to Jesus today. We're dead with Christ, but we're alive in Christ. That means we're alive in his power. See, how am I, how am I supposed to live and, and not sin? How am I supposed to live and uh, not care so much about the things of this world? How am I supposed to live in this way? Well, it's not that you're supposed to try really hard to do it. Has anyone ever tried that before? You try really, really hard to do what God tells you to do? It's really hard. You can't do it. The Bible says you don't live in your own power that way. 
The Bible says you're raised to walk in newness of life. That resurrection power that raised Jesus, you're attached to that as well. And Jesus lives through you. That is the Christian life. Do you understand? The Christian life is one of death uh, with Christ and being alive in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.15 tells us this. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Jesus died for you on the cross, not so that you could live this life for yourself, not so that you could live this life sharing your opinions, not so that you can live this life for whatever you want. He says from now on, henceforth, that you'll live unto him which died for you and rose again. The problem is we're living for ourselves. We're living uh, for what we want to do. uh, Jesus said that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That goes against the way we feel, doesn't it? Deny myself. You mean it's not about what I want anymore? That's exactly right. That is the teaching of Christ, to deny yourself and live for him. Your relationship with Jesus changes you. And what that means is your relationship with Jesus should be changing the attention of your heart. Let's turn back to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, I want you to look in verse 1. Now we understand this being alive in Christ and and dead with Christ. We we are dead. Our life is hid with Christ in God. Look at Colossians 3.1. If ye then be risen with Christ... That's us, right? Y'all with me? Is that us? All right, good. If we then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. The word seek means to pursue. It means that you're taking action to go after. If we're going to heaven, if Christ is our life, we should care most about the things he cares most about. That makes sense, right? Uh, The Albert Barnes commentary says, as Christ now lives in heaven... They, the Christians, should live for heaven and fix their attentions there. Uh, Verse number two says this, set your affection. Set the direction of your heart on things above, not on things of the earth. That word word set, it, it means we have a choice to make. It means that we get to make a decision. Every day, we have the ability to set our attention, to set our affection. Uh, What are you getting excited about? What are you caring about? The Bible says we need to care about the things that God cares about. One one of the, uh, this is interesting to me, I I read, uh, there's a passage of scripture that talks about people who are called the enemies of the cross of Christ. Is there anyone in here that wants to be in that category? No, okay. Listen, the Bible says the enemies of the cross of Christ have some characteristics. I want, I want you to see this in Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, brethren, church, be followers together of me. It's Philippians 3.17. Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. He says, I want you to follow me as we follow Christ. But there's some people, even in the church, I want you to mark them. I want you to say, These are the people you avoid, okay? Uh, Teenagers, if your mom or dad ever says, avoid those friends. This is what they're saying. There are people that have certain qualities and you need to mark them. You need to realize what they're doing and and don't do that, okay? Um, Philippians 3, let's look in verse 18. 
For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Here are the qualities of these people, the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, meaning they're trying to satisfy themselves. They're, They're always focused on fulfilling what they want, whose glory is in their shame. Look at this last quality, who mind earthly things. The Bible says that the enemies of the cross of Christ, one of their characteristics is they have a mind their cares are down here on this earth you got to think about that if if, if the apostle paul said these people they have a mind for earthly things you need to mark them as as a bad example we need to be very cautious in this day and age because i we are so distracted with what is going on the next news story that comes out what somebody's posting on facebook that we have been distracted from what we ought to be setting our attention on And this verse uh, continues right after that. It says, who mind earthly things. Why? For our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation is the Bible word that means citizenship. Now, I will tell you, uh, I love July 4th. I love our flag. I love this country. I have firearms. I am an American person. I, I am loyal to our country. I get that. But do you understand when you have that relationship with Jesus, the Bible says something that ought to affect you. You are not only an American or the citizen of whatever earthly country you live in, you have citizenship in heaven. You are part of another country, one that God says you should care about more than you care about this one. That seems a little crazy, right? That's what the Bible says. Why is that crazy? You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. It's not about what you feel. It's not about this earth anymore. You have a citizenship in heaven. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Look in verse 3. That's what it says. For ye are dead. Why should I set my affection on things above? Because I am dead. It's not about me anymore. The old man, the, the one that had dreams and hopes, and I had my personal sin and the things I wanted to do, that person I need to reckon to be dead with Christ. And I get up every day and I say, God, I'm living for you now. It's not about me. It's about you. God, you live through me. It's not about my life. It's not about my country. It's not about the things I care about. God, what do you care about? That's what our life is to be about. Set your affection. Some of you have decided today to set your affection on whatever you read on Facebook. Some of you have decided to set your affection on something your friend told you. Set. Jesus, in his word, he gives us this teaching to set our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So many of us are so alive in our flesh, but the Bible says we're to be dead. We're so alive in the things that we want, but the Bible says you're dead. Why are you still alive? We need to examine. Maybe we are not born again. Maybe we need to examine where we're at. Maybe we've just got so distracted and we've let the world set our affections that we've got to take a hard look at where we're at and turn our mind back to Christ. What are the things that matter where Christ is in heaven? The Bible says we're to seek those things which are above. Well, what are they? The Bible says in verse 2, we're to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, what are they? It continues in verse number 5 here. I'll show you what they are. There are two things I just want to point out today. What are the things that matter where Christ is in heaven? Number one, righteous living 
matters. Righteous living matters. It's right here in verse number five. After he tells you to set your affections on things above, the Bible in verse five says this, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And he goes in to list a bunch of different sins. And we're gonna, there's a lot of lists in here. But that word mortify is a very specifically used word. That word means to put to death. If you are dead with Christ, then you need to put to death some things in your life. You need to say, and it says mortify therefore your members. That's your, that's your body parts, the actions, what you're doing in your life. You're to put those to death because you're dead and you're raised to walk in newness of life. The Bible says mortify, listen to these things. Uh, therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication. That's sexual sin, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. I'll let you look some of these up. Covetousness, the desire to have things, uh, which is idolatry. For the which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. Uh, it's talking about these things as these should be past. We should not be continuing in these things anymore. Look at verse number eight. Here's another list. If that first list didn't apply to you, maybe this one does. But now ye also put off all these. Anger. That's that angry emoji, right? Anger, wrath, malice, the hatred in your heart, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You're dead with Christ and these things should not be a part of your life any longer. The Bible says in verse 9, lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. See, our affection should be set on heaven, but that means our life down here on earth should change. That we should be living differently. We're to be honest with one another. The Bible continues in verse number 10, and have put on the new man. See, there are some things you get out of your life, but there's some things you ought to add to it as well. The Bible says, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him. Look in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. It says, bowels of mercies. What that means is you ought to care about people. You, you, ought to, you ought to be understanding of people. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering. Humbleness of mind. Um, do you know why humbleness of mind is in there? Because Jesus was humble. You understand? He's living through us. That's, that's not the attitude that says, you can't tell me what to do. Listen, I have my own opinions, and I'm not going to speak about them, but sometimes we, we're so quick to say, I'm the only one right in the room. Hey, everyone else here is wrong, but I'm right. You can't tell. That's a prideful attitude. The Bible says you ought to be putting on humbleness of mind. Humility can admit that they're wrong. The Bible says humbleness of mind Meekness, long-suffering. Long-suffering is that patience toward others. That patience when somebody uh, is different than you or somebody you don't agree with, you're long-suffering anyway. You know, Pastor Tony, he's been talking about uh, that we are in the end times, that the Bible has a lot of things that are, that are telling us that Jesus could come back at any moment. And over and over in the Bible, when it talks about Jesus coming back, uh, you say, well, why hasn't he come back yet? If the world is so bad, if people are so sinful, why isn't he coming back right now? Why doesn't he come back today? And the answer in the Bible, the Bible says the Lord's not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the, the point is, God looks down on an earth that is still sinful, that has such problems, and he says, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to give them another option. I'm going to give them another chance. They can still be saved. They can still get forgiveness. They can still come to me. Why aren't we patient? I've heard some of you say, I'm done with those people. I'm writing those people off. The Bible says here in verse 13, forbearing one another. That means we overlook the faults and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Uh, we, we, need to, we need to be forgiving of other people. Righteous living matters. And I want to point out that this word in verse 5, mortify, when it says you talking about your sin, whether you have anger, whether you have unforgiveness in your heart, whether you have hatred, whatever it is you're dealing with, whether it's sexual sin, the Bible says mortify that sin. Put it to death. It does not say put it in a cage. Sometimes we think we've got this sin and it's a lion. What I'm going I'm to cage it and try and keep it at bay. I just won't let my anger, I just won't let, I'll just won't say anything on Facebook. I'll just maintain it in my heart. I just won't say anything in those comments. I'll just be the, the sneaky, you know, for every hundred comments, how many other people are just like reading them all, right, on Facebook? And you're, you're just watching, but your heart is still wrong. The, the, this is, we're not to, we don't put it in a cage. We don't cover it up. We don't ignore our sin like it's just not there and we just tolerate it. The Bible says kill it. The Bible says put it to death. It's not to be part of your life anymore. Righteous living matters. So what else matters in heaven? This whole passage, as you go down through, it talks about husbands and wives and children. and It talks about letting the peace of God rule in your heart. It talks about letting God's word dwell in you richly in all wisdom. See, if we're dead, we're going to let God's word dwell in us. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You say, why am I so angry? Why am I so bent out of shape? Well, maybe you need to check what is going in your heart. You need to set your affection. You need to decide where your affections are at. Righteous living matters. It's very clear in this passage. What else matters in heaven? Number two, reaching people matters. What is above in heaven? It's you and I. Hopefully, if we know Christ is our Savior, we hope that our relatives go there. We hope that those that we love believe on Christ and they're in heaven with us one day, don't we? You know, on the day we die... It's going to become really clear what, what is valuable, and it's going to be the difference of who's in heaven and who's not in heaven. Uh, this, this is very um, personal for me, and this bothers me. And I, I don't know if this bothers you. I, I hope it does. But I, I really do think that we're too busy calling people names, snowflakes, whatever, being mad at people that aren't like us, being so easily offended. We get upset with people online that aren't like us, that take a different position, that maybe be uh, against your God and against what you're about. And we, we have so separated ourselves from them, but we've forgotten that those are the very people that we're called to be reaching. Here's a question I really want you to think about. And this, this is where it, it, it gets personal. I'm gonna name a few people just get your mind on them and I want to know do you want to see these people in heaven 
there's this lady, I think she's a senator, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ooh, that, you know, that's a hot button when you see those Facebook videos or you are talking online. She may say things you may not agree with, may be completely opposite of your mind. Maybe you totally agree with her. Do you want to see her in heaven? What about Nancy Pelosi? I've heard Christians say that, you know, the, the most horrible things, is what we do is we start to name call people that don't agree with us. We're, and, and God says we're supposed to love them, love your enemies, pray for them. Never says call them names. I, I, don't, I don't read that anywhere. How, how can you reach somebody if you're constantly calling their names? What about your liberal relative? Does anyone have a brother or a sister that... Uh, they're the ones that you don't bring up stuff at family gatherings because you know it's not going to go, it's going to go sideways real quick. We're so quick to name call, make posts. But the Bible says we set our affections on things above. And what matters above is the people that we reach, every single person. That's these, what we would call liberals. Listen, some of us are so angry at people that we see on TV. We think of the um, Black Lives Matter movement and we see things that's going on. You, you cannot call somebody names and separate yourself so far from them and reach them at the same time. You just can't. I understand that some of you take such a strong position, but my question today, are you caring more about the things that are going on here on earth or are you caring about the things that are important in heaven? What is important to you? It should be what's important to Jesus. Reaching people matters. Here's some things that don't matter in heaven. And I'm telling you, these lists were hard for me to write, but I just needed to clarify this in my mind because I get distracted sometimes. What doesn't matter in heaven? Do you know that there will be no flags in heaven? There just won't be. We love our country, we love our flag, but it won't be in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's our country. There will be no statues of men in heaven. There will be no masks in heaven. Can I get an amen? Okay, good. There will be no political parties in heaven. These things simply don't matter in heaven. They just don't matter. I could preach a whole nother message. You say, well, to what degree am I supposed to care? The only verse that I've come to, and it's not in my notes, that tells me what am I supposed to care about here on earth when it comes to politics and government. The Bible says we're supposed to pray for those in our authority. It actually talks about praying that they would be saved. And it says we do that so that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Listen, that God has given us a task to do, and whatever can best help us accomplish that task, we'll stand for that. But we, we cannot bash other people and, and criticize and name call and hate and, and say that we're dead to ourselves and alive with Christ at the same time. You can't do that. What matters in heaven? People. Every single person matters in heaven. The Bible says that when one person repents that there's some sort of party going on in heaven and the angels are rejoicing in heaven. Every single person on this planet has, has equal value to God. Jesus died for all. Every color, black, white, every shade in between. And we've got to be clear on that. 
You say, what matters in heaven? There's not one person that's different than you that matters more than you. Do you understand? We're all equal. Before God, Jesus died for every single one of us. Jesus died for liberals. Go figure that one out. That's tough. Some of you are so bent out of shape about it that you can't wrap your mind around that. Jesus died for the very person that you disagree with and hate the most. It's funny because when, when we were enemies of Christ, when we were in our sin, when, when our relationship with God was one where we would spit in his face and we were selfish and wanted to do our own thing, he didn't give us the stiff arm. He didn't unfriend us or block us. He loved us and died for us. Those that were actually spitting on him, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And yet we have no patience and no long suffering for the people that we're to be reaching. That's a problem. We need to fix that problem. Everyone has a right to be able to hear the gospel. But often they cannot see or hear Christ over our loud mouths and proud affinity to this world. Listen, I, I know you all have opinions. But you need to make sure that if your opinion ought to be something that's dead with Christ, it's dead with Christ. You need to make sure if your opinion is something that is, has elevated itself over your cares for the things of heaven, you need to change that order of priorities. We've got to fix this as, as Christians. If we have a mission to do and a job to do and to reach people that aren't like us, we need to learn to be long-suffering and kind and be dead to our sin and selfishness and alive to Christ. That's what we need. You say it's difficult to do. Good, let Christ do it through you. Get out of the way. Jesus said himself, he said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came for sinners. He came for every person you disagree with. And I'm saying, I don't know what you need to do, but I'm asking you to evaluate yourself this morning. I'm really not here. My goal is not to convince you to wear a mask. My goal is not to convince you to change your political party. I'm going to let the government and the health officials do their best at that. But what I'm seriously asking you to do is to examine your heart and pursue Christ. We've lost it. I understand we, Matt was saying, let's, let's, not, uh, let's not get over it. It's difficult to do. We're in such a routine. We've become so self-centered in this routine that we forget what Jesus did for us too. We were sinners and Christ died for us. And Christ died for all the other sinners, all the ones that you say, I don't agree with them. That's okay. You don't have to agree with them. And that, but you need to love them and reach them. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. I want to read this passage and I'll be done. The Bible says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, if any man has that relationship with Christ, which you only have by believing that he died for you and that he rose from the dead, you understand? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says that God looked down on us and he brought us back to him. And then in turn, he says, I'm going to give to you that same job, the same task that you're to go to the lost and the sinners and the ones that are anti-God and against him. And you're to bring them back to him. That is our job. The Bible says in verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. 
For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We did not deserve to be made the righteousness of God. We did not deserve Jesus to die for us. He did that because he loved us and cared for us. There's a lot of people out there, you think they don't deserve anything. They don't deserve this. They're living this way. You need to change your perspective because God is after them and you should be too. Jesus gave me a second chance. He called me to tell others. That should affect us. If you were raised with him, the Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. So I ask you, where's your heart today?